Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue examination of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode 41, entitled Enter Professor M, in which I'll be examining issue number 35. Please stay tuned. So before we dive into issue number 35, as usual, we'll cover the creative team really quick. Chris Claremont, of course, he's still writing the book. We do have a new penciler on board, though, Mary Wilshire. And Mary Wilshire, she's considers herself to be an illustrator. Uh, that's, that's what I found when I looked, up, her, looked her up on Google, just did a quick Google search. And she's worked for, she got a, she got a break in terms of artistic um, work. In Marvel and and, and co- in comics, uh, she was worked for National Lampoon and on Crazy, the magazine uh, that answered a mad that that Marvel put out. Um, she's also done some work for DC. Now she's done other work like uh, designing the Blue Bro- Blues Brothers logo and character drawings for the WW- WWF characters. Um, she's she <clears throat> was asked by Larry Hama to to work on Red Sonia, and that's where she really got her break in terms of working for comics. Um, <clears throat> she's done work on Power Pack, and this is really going to be, I think, her only foray into the New Mutants. And she is paired with a, an artist we're quite familiar with doing the inks. Um, his name is Bill Sinkevich. And we know him pretty well because he's been the main artist on the book for a very long time. He's going to be doing the inks for New Mutants until issue 39. So he's going to have a nice run here. And it does have a bit of a Zinkevich feel because he is doing the inks. He does have a pretty big say in terms of what the book is going to look like. But uh, it's it's definitely not him. It's not his his art style. You know, it's it's does have a feel, but it is not Zinkevich. And you can tell that by the art. <clears throat> Letters are still being done by Tom Orzachowski and Luis, uh, his wife. Um, we have a new colorist, Petra Scortitz, Scortes, um, and again, another, another Marvel DC, you know, artist um having done mostly cover art uh, mostly colorist but also doing some cover art but mostly uh the field is that this this the, that our colorist has worked in is is colors so um we this this is really a the first time new mutants has had a major change to anyone in in terms of c- the colors really it's normally uh Oliver and Glynis Oliver, and this, so this is a, a, a big change, a big shake-up, really, when you think about in terms of what this book looks like. Uh, so we're getting a shift here. Um, Anne Nascenti and Jim Shooter are still working uh, as as uh, the editors for this line, so uh, that that remains the same. But that that's the that's the big shake-up. Um, it is kind of nice to have Bill Sinkovich back doing the art and uh, at least having some say in terms of what the book looks like. Uh, and, and inks, I think it becomes obvious through this run, through this time, his time back on the book doing inks, that the inker has a 
big influence on in terms of what the final product looks like. They decide really what the finished page looks like. Um, not not to take anything away from a penciler. Pencilers are vital, but the inker does get a lot of say in terms of what that the final outcome looks like. And and I think Zinkevich really proves that out here. Anyways, let's not hesitate any longer. Let's dive right into issue number 35, The Times They're Changing. So this issue opens with a splash page, and really the main figure we see is Roberto da Costa, uh, Sunspot. Um, he is uh, greeted, as are the rest of the New Mutants, by a new head to the Xavier School, and that's Eric Lencher Magneto. He has taken over the duty and role as headmaster of the school. Um, Charles Xavier uh, asked him to take his place in Uncanny X-Men 200. Um, Uncanny, in that issue, Magneto was on trial, and Xavier, at the end of it, he's pretty much dead. He's dying. And the only way to save his life is by him going with Lalandra and the Shi'ar into space. And he's going to be gone from the X-Men line for a very long time. He's not going to show up for an extremely long time. So in his place, he's asked Eric Lynch here to take, take, take charge of the school. And he does so, I don't want to say against his better judgment, but certainly with grave reservations, uncertain that he's going to be able to do this. But he does it because Xavier is his closest friend he has. I mean, their friendship is, he's honoring a friendship with with Xavier. Um, And what what we're seeing is Magneto, he tells them that he's taking over Charles Xavier's burden. It's now his burden to to take care of and raise the next generation of mutants to protect them and and educate them. Um, Roberto, he's not convinced. Sunspot, he points out that Magneto's a villain. And Sam, he's not really sure that they can trust Magneto. But Magneto, what he really asks for is is a time to, to prove himself. Um, he, he, he wants a path to redemption. He wants to help youth to achieve um, their potential. That's what he really wants. And we've seen this in Uncanny X-Men. He, he used to be this white, just black vil- evil villain, right? He was just this completely unredeemable, just completely bad guy evil. There's no nuance to his character. Claremont began to, 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 to change that. Band to create a gray zone. And there was one battle where he's in Magneto's fighting with the X-Men and he he's just about to harm Kitty Pride about just you know and and that that moment he he shifts and it's really the first time that we've seen the character shift and he realizes that like Kitty's exactly who he's saying he's trying to fight for. It, Magneto wants to protect the next generation of mutants. He wants to create a world where it is safe for young generations of mutants to be mutants and not have to run and hide in fear. And he just sees a different way of doing it. 
And slowly, we've seen, especially in New Mutants, he is impacted by like the likes of Lee Forrester, and his character is softened. And there's become there's gone there there's been Claremont has been building more nuance into his character, creating a space for him to be more of a gray area, a gray villain rather rather than this just straight evil guy. He's he's much more um, sympathetic and easier to understand what his motivations are. So, the New Mutants reluctantly, I mean, they really have no choice. They, they accept this, they're not certain, but, you know, this is what it is. And uh, <clears throat> this issue, we're going to see more and more that they that there's an uncertainty among the team. And, and everybody's place and where they stand in this in terms of Magneto as the headmaster is a little different and they're all influenced differently anyways Magneto he's pretty pleased with Xavier's notes on the New Mutants and he wants to see you know their notes are extensive he wants to see these kids in action he wants to see them using their mutant abilities he wants to see where they're at and so he has them all go to the danger room they're all going to head down there and do some training just kind of run through some stuff and see where everybody's at later in the dressing room Doug pokes at Roberto he jokes that with Magneto being a villain, maybe this will be the perfect opportunity for Roberto to join forces with his father, um, you know, join the Hellfire Club as well. And Roberto transforms to Sunspot. He's had enough. He's angry about the whole situation. He's angry about everything. And he has been less and less forgiving of Doug than really anybody. And he slams Doug up against the lockers in a Sunspot form. And Sam intervenes quickly, like he he breaks up the fight, and he's mad at him, you know. And Warlock's freaking out while all this is going on. Warlock, if you remember, you know, he's just come through this thing where he, you know, facing Shane, Karma, and Shadow King, he didn't, he he's had a hard time really trying to suss out who's his friend and and what that means, and it's it's been really hard for him to fit. And so seeing his friends engage in anger with each other sends him into a panic really and Sam cools things down thankfully Danny she's for her part lost in thought in in the ladies locker room Danny's sitting there she's she's thinking about what happened to her in Asgard and was hoping that coming back to the mansion she'd have Xavier's help to really get through this stuff um what happens in Asgard, we, we're not going to cover now in any depth, but essentially she join, she finds a horse, a winged horse in Asgard, and becomes a Valkyrie, um, and can see the visions of death over people. And this is going to be explored more and more as the series continues, um, <clears throat> but uh, she's a Valkyrie, and... There's a lot to pull apart there um, in terms of what that means for Danny's character, and we will get to that uh, in my summer special, summer spring special uh, in June. I'm going to cover the Asgard Wars, um, and and we'll talk at extensive length about that. I think we'll just touch on that here to let people know what's going on with her. 
That's basically what she's talking about. That's what she's thinking about. And it's really weighing on her. She's not sure what all this means for her. And she's scared, rightfully so. You know, it's a new thing. And she's not sure how to handle it. And she just wants to be able to to talk to somebody she can trust. And that person's not here. <clears throat> now, Ileana, she, for her part, she's... She, you know, tells them that, you know, she's evil, you know. You know, that, that you know, her, her place on the team, even with her corrupted portions of her soul, like, she still has a place here. Her friends have accepted her. And don't they owe that same, don't they own the same, owe the same thing to Magneto? You know, if it, if this is, you know, if Xavier really did ask him to be the headmaster, like Xavier, they trust him, and shouldn't shouldn't they extend the same courtesy that they extended to Ileana? That's her argument. And um, Mara Magma doesn't, you know, is it's really agrees. Like maybe you know, she agrees. Let's give Magneto a chance. Karma doesn't care. Uh, doesn't share Amara's confidence. And it's understandable for her character. She has just <clears throat> come broke free of the Shadow King's hold, and she's not really interested in putting herself in a position where another villain can manipulate her. And she goes, you know, they all end up getting ready, though, and heading into the danger room. Uh, and Magneto, as, you know, they're all getting ready. He's he's thinking to himself, and he's really lacking confidence right now. He's standing in the study, and he's thinking, "I made a tragic mistake. I'm I'm sure to fail, and that will destroy not only me but the new mutants as well, the children, the generation, the hope for the future. I have spent my life trying to save, and there's this." Frame picture of Lee Forrester. He he's you know holding and looking at, and he really wishes Lee was there with him. You know, and Lee, she's been a pivotal character for his transformation. He she's been the thing, the the human, really that's pulled exa- that's pulled Magneto back. You know, really made him anchored him to humanity, and uh, is really a strong connection for him to desire to like work with humans and to try you know it's that coupled with this this developed sense of like trying to do better for uh mutant children that and make a better world for them that that's brought him to a place where he's willing to try to work within Xavier's Xavier's plan, Xavier's hope for the future. Um, So, and and the reason Lee hasn't joined him, and why Lee Forrester's not with him now, currently, is that she's a captain of a boat, a fishing boat. Like, she has a job to do, and she, she can't just up and leave it. And Xavier, or, and, and, and he, he knows that. You know, Magneto knows that and accepts that. He knows they both have responsibilities, and he accept, he's accepted that. Either way, as the New Mutants are preparing to enter the danger room, Magneto meets them up with them. 
And he, he lets Cypher know that he's not going to be doing the contract combat training in the danger room. He needs to go to the control room. He doesn't have combat-based powers. Daniel tries to argue that Doug is part of the team. And Doug, his response is, I'm not worth the grief. Now, when he, he's, he bashes open the door of the control room, he's extremely upset, Doug is. And he, and he talks to Sharon Freelander and Tom Corsi. He's really angry and really upset. And <clears throat> he says, hey, I'm just as scared. It's not my fault. I got stuck with such wimpy powers. It's a peach. I can yell, don't shoot in any language. There is big, fat, hairy deal. I know that makes me the team's weak link. All the more reason I should be down there with my buddies instead of up here in the in in the contr- in the control booth where it's safe. I'll never be able to pull my own weight if no one gives me the opportunity to learn how. And you know his point is he's earned his place on the team. You know he is part of this team, and for him to be excluded. It's it's just not really fair, and it doesn't really make that much sense when you really think about it. Like, there are teammates of his that don't really have combat-based powers. You know, Danny Moonstar. Yes, she can. She has combat skills, but she's, for all intents and purposes, you know, similar to Doug in terms of, like, she doesn't have a combat-based power. She can pull somebody's thoughts from their mind. And project them, but that's not necessarily combat power. Um, <clears throat> you know, I would argue that karma is, is questionable. Yes, she can possess people, but really she doesn't have a combat pace power. Um, she can control others and force them to fight um, and utilize their mutant abilities. And then there's Ileana, who doesn't really have a combat-based power either. She can teleport, but she doesn't. her powers are not combat-based. And so to, to exclude Doug and allow them, it does seem um, arbitrary in, in how he has selected uh, Doug and singled him out. And for the way Magneto singles him out, it's just not really acceptable. It's not really a way to go about it. And he does, Magneto does realize that he needs to be kinder and less... Um, abrupt with Doug and like if he continues to make those mistakes he'll never gain the trust of these students uh, and it is you know it's it's silly that Doug is singled out in this way you'd think that you'd want to train him up so that given you know get him comfortable in those moments because you know if he isn't something bad could happen and we will see that down the road something bad does happen um, the other but I think one of the things that you can argue in terms of not putting him in the danger room, is they're not supposed to be a combat team. This isn't a team that's supposed to be out fighting other mutants, uh, engaging in operations to save the world. They get into their hijinks, but those hijinks occur because they're teenagers, you know, sneaking off in the night or doing other things. It's not like they're a, a response team. It's not like the X-Men where they hop in the, you know, Blackbird and, and fly off to confront villains across the world. You know, and so, you know, in that regard... Does Doug really need to be down in the danger room? I don't know. But either way, that's what's going on. They're going to train down in the danger room. Uh, and Magneto, he he challenges his students. He, he 
asks them to fight him, you know, and he's he's just going to see what they're capable of. And Doug, from the control room, decides to add a twist. He makes it into the world of Oz. That's what's projected. Sam, he's the one who flies after, you know, he rockets at Magneto, and Magneto, for his part, encases him in metal, and Warlock then assault, you know, launches an attack. Magneto easily knocks him down with a force bolt. Uh, Danny, she scolds the Sam for his, you know, um, flying off the handle, half cocked, no plan, you know, and really argues that they're going to have to work together to, if they're going to have any chance of beating Magneto. Karma, she tries to uh, possess Magneto, but he uses his magnetic force to reflect her uh, possession back at Roberto, uh, and then encases everyone in a, in a metal box. Ileana teleports, teleports him out of the metal box through limbo, and then Wolfsbane, she transforms into wolf, her wolf's form and lunges at Magneto, and Magneto's done. He reverses the gravity in the room, and... Pretty much takes out the entire team. That's the fight. And it ends pretty quickly. <clears throat> so, later that evening, the New Mutants are kind of kicking things around, thinking about what happened, trying to figure, you know, really just talking through things. They're at uh, Harry's Hideaway, um, and they wonder how the X-Men ever beat Magneto. How was it even possible? And Roberto, he, he, they're also talking about, like, Magneto's place as headmaster. Has he proven that he's, he's no longer a villain? And Roberto doesn't think he has. Roberto says, today proves nothing. It couldn't be worse, even if the school was taken over by the Hellfire Club and the White Queen. You know, that's his take. Like, he's angry. He sees this as all linking back to the Hellfire Club. He sees this just like being at the school with the White Queen. Like, it's no better than that. Meanwhile, Ileana has an opportunity to explain food to Warlock, which is kind of odd, right? Like, so she's telling him, hey, this is organic material. This is food. You can consume this. You can turn this into bio, you know, you can use your... Uh, techno-organic virus to consume this food. It's It doesn't hurt anything. It's not going to kill anything, It's but it's going to sustain you. Now, Warlock's been around for a while. How is this the first time that he's learning about food? He has been around since the Slumber Party issue 21. We're in issue number 35, uh, and he's just being told that, hey, this is consumable food. You should use this to sustain yourself. It's a little odd. You'd think they would have had this conversation earlier. It is a light moment, though, because this is a fairly heavy issue. So having Warlock kind of lighten the atmosphere, lighten the mood, does help. Um, because it's already been a little bit of a, a slugfest, uh, and this issue's only going to get darker as it goes. Now, Shane, she interrupts that and, and kind of agrees with Roberto. Like, she's not interested in being a slave to another villain. And... Even if, like, training, like, this training isn't inter- doesn't interest her. She just wants to be there for her family. She doesn't want to be a hero. She has no desires or machinations to be an X-Men. It's not her goal in life. <clears throat> but Sam, he argues that without training, she'll always be vulnerable. And what if her siblings, what if they're mutants? And... He also asks Bobby, like, what, are you just going to quit? Are you going to leave the team? 
well, they've kind of talked this out and really everybody's had their say and they're done eating and they're heading back to the mansion and Danny, she just needs some time and space by herself. So she decides she's going to walk home and the rest of the team heads back together with Sharon Freelander. On the way home, Danny is attacked by three frat guys. They noticed her leaving and they decided they were going to follow her and they grab her and throw her to the ground. They, they physically assault her and I mean, I think this is pretty clearly attempted rape. That's what these guys are trying to do. And the only thing that prevents uh, further harm, and, and I don't think she, you know, I don't think she's ever actually, I don't think it actually occurs. I mean, it's definitely an attempt at it, uh, is her horse Brightwind comes from nowhere. I mean, there's this, there is a, there's a link, um, similar, a psychic rapport between the two similar to the one she shares with Rain. And Brightwind comes and uh, startles these, these young men, and they climb back into their vehicle, and Brightwind stomps the shit out of the car, breaking the window, smashing in the you know hood and the roof, and gets, you know just knocks the shit out of the car, and they, and they speed off. And rather than follow them, Brightwind gets Danny back to the, the mansion, where Tom Corsi, Sharon, and Magneto... Uh, meet them and Sharon takes Danny inside while Magneto and, and Tom, uh, Tom Corsi stay with with Brightwind and Tom finds evidence of the paint on the hooves and Tom is more of the opinion like this is something for the authorities we need to turn this over you know crime's been committed Magneto's take is different you know these are his students Meg Charles left them in his charge and he swore he would care for them and that means that you know he he'll take care of this matter on his own um and he has brightwind show him you know take him to where these gentlemen are so he follows brightwind to the fraternity house with the, all this commotion it wakes up danny's teammates and you know they see magneto flying off with brightwind and they feel kind of betrayed a little bit like this is their friend this is their teammate it's their job to to, to protect her to um get seek revenge or payback for her on her behalf and so they're they're a little put out by that and they end up following magneto later in connecticut on bryce college campus magneto finds the damaged jeep the paint matches the chips that were discovered on the hooves of Brightwind, and Magneto, he fears involving the authorities because he doesn't want to reveal the true nature of the, the school. Um, I'm going to also add that oftentimes cases of women being raped, uh, we've seen this quite often in, in the media, I think, of like, like, they're not... The victims go through a lot of trauma to tell their story and to try to prosecute, you know, try to bring uh, justice through the, through the legal system. And oftentimes the assailants are getting slaps on the wrist, if even that. At least two cases recently in the me have been in the media, one in Texas where the judge says, this is what men do, that's what the judge said. And then another case where a bus driver assaulted a 14-year-old girl, or, yeah, I think she was 14, on a bus, and 
saw, saw no jail time and really no meaningful, uh, you know, no, no meaningful punishment whatsoever for the behavior. So that would be my biggest fear is that, you know, if this were to happen, that the, the legal system wouldn't, wouldn't do anything to punish the person who had done, done the harm. Anyways, I'm not going to venture too much farther into that. I just, I just wanted to make that linkage. Um, it's been in the news, it seems like, a lot lately, and uh, this, this ties into that. So, as we know, Magneto is going to take this matter into his own hands, and You know, let's take that line of reasoning maybe a little bit further, I guess. An interesting thought just occurred to me, you know, if Magneto had gone to the authorities and they didn't carry out justice in the way he thought that they should, what would that have done? Like, here's a great what if. What would this moment do to Magneto's trust of the system and willingness to work within the system to better mutant kind? Like, you think that would automatically sever him from his willingness to work within Xavier's dream. Like, I think it would break Magneto at this point, this early. Like, if this would have happened, if he would have gone to the authorities and they did nothing, he would have forced, been forced to act, and the spotlight would have been on. And I don't know that he could have regained the trust or willingness to work within the system that Xavier has laid out. Um, it would have destroyed his character, I think, his character's redemption um, that it, that seems Claremont was working on. It's a little bit of an aside. Let's get back into this issue. <laughs> I just, I just, it's an interesting thought. Um, anyways, so Warlock has turned into a helicopter and, you know, flown his friends up. And here's another lighthearted moment, right? We've just had this attack on Danny and we've got this lighthearted moment us gag with warlock and he's talking and making these whoop sounds just like helicopter would whoop whoop in between his his speech and he asks Ileana is is the whoop the is that how you know a helicopter communicates with one another and Ileana suggests she that he asks one like this is the gag right and Ileana and warlock now have this friendship ever since their time in the Leliola arc where they're fighting Carmen, they're the last mutants left, right? They're the last two left, and they're the ones that help rescue their teams, their teammates. Like, he has a strong connection because she had faith in him, right? Like, believed that he could help, you know, and and she was the only one that wasn't corrupted. Um, and, And, you know, it makes for a really interesting relationship between the two at this point. Um... Now, the New Mutants don't engage. They don't go and interrupt anything. They just watch from afar as Magneto confronts these young men. And he forces his way in through the door. The young men gather, and and one pulls a gun, another one has a crowbar, and another one just lunges at Magneto. It doesn't take much of, obviously, he just uses his magnetic blast to throw them to the ground. And And he says, Humans, your puny weapons mean as little to me as yourselves. You are scum, the dregs of society, a disgrace to your misbegotten species with all its benefits of wealth and position, education, health. You amuse yourself by hurting innocents whose neither thought nor did you any harm. You know, and he is like in this mag, 
you know, this this old Magneto-like villain speech, right? And he is just lambasting these young men. And one man, one of the young men interjects and tells him it's not our fault. She was asking for it. And he just, that just enrages him. And instead of harming them, though, he, you know, just blows apart the house, does massive amounts of damage using his magnetism, magnetism, Jesus, magnetism. You know, he just just shatters the house essentially, and then he tells them that as there was one there was one point in his life where he would have gladly he would have taken pleasure in ripping them to shreds using his his magnetic powers, and and essentially just killing them as easily as he's done to their home. Um, but he's not going to do that. That's not what he's trying to do. He's he's trying to better himself and. He gives them a warning, and this is something he's experienced, right? He tells them that their behavior scars their bodies and their souls. And if they continue down that road, eventually they'll meet some less forgiving than Magneto. And he just flies off. He, he levitates away. And they turn themselves in, and... That's that. Magneto's handled this situation. He terrifies these young men into essentially turning themselves in. Later, back at the school, the New Mutants, they return. Um, Warlocks brought them back. And we find out that they've stayed to watch the cops arrest the young men. The lights at the mansion are out, and... They're relieved. They're they're really relieved. They figure that they've gotten off. That nobody's gonna have caught them having snuck out. But Magneto's still awake, and he opens the door as they're climbing the stairs, and he tells them that they need to be quiet. Danny's sleeping, uh, and that according to Sharon, the nurse, she'll be okay in a couple days, and that's a huge relief for the the team. Right? They're they're really happy to hear that. Now, Rain, she kind of spills the beans that, hey, we watched the cops, arrested them, we, we, you know, we saw that, you know, essentially she explains that they've seen everything, and they're like, you know, be quiet, he doesn't need to know that <laughs> we followed him down there, um, and he just tells them, you know, basically to go to bed, and it's past their bedtime, so they need to get to bed, and as they're climbing the stairs, and he's gone back into the study, Ileana asks Roberto, like, has he won your trust, essentially? And he says, yes, you know? And so Magneto's done enough. He's proved himself to the team. And now they're at a place where they can move forward, at least in in tandem and working together for the same goal of getting them to understand their abilities and be able to, to utilize their abilities without harming themselves or others. And... That's what they're supposed to be here doing. They're supposed to be in school. And Magneto, we see the last panel. He's in his study. He raises a glass. It looks like a glass of wine. And in the reflection of the glass, we see a portrait of Xavier hanging on the wall. And Xavier, or he's, he's raising the glass to Xavier, like kind of honoring Xavier in his dream. 
it's it's an interesting panel and the thing that's interesting about this portrait is we're going to see again and again this portrait coming up it's something that's hanging in the study it's something that magneto's trying it's it's the essentially what magneto's trying to live up to and something that magneto is not necessarily capable of he is not xavier he is not gonna he doesn't see the world the same way and he does not see xavier's dream in this achievement of that dream in the same way they both have different means of getting to where they think they need to be and magneto just cannot it's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole it just is not working and it's going to get harder and harder and more taxing more difficult for magneto going forward and we're going to see that time and time again and this this portrait is always going to be something that's hanging kind of over magneto's uh head it's never it's never goes away and uh it's it add, it's just an added stress um for for magneto but either way that's this issue and it's a really nice issue it's a really good one shot i think it, it really is a great introduction of magneto to this book something we've seen building time over time right we've seen this this redemption through his connection with lee forrester and I really have enjoyed it. I think it's great. And I think I really like seeing Magneto pulled into the roster of the X-Men. And I think he's an interesting character. And I think this stuff makes him only more, all the more intro, more interesting. Um, So yeah, that's this issue. And it's a really beautiful issue. Like I said, Uh, it's great to have Zinkevich back doing inks. And we're going to have that treat and that pleasure for a little while. And I think he does add a bit, he does, he does make this issue feel more like a Zinkevich style book, uh, and that's that's a pleasure. Uh, so yeah, um, the next issue will be issue number thirty six, Subway to Salvation. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and is produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant or via email at ExploreTheNewMutants at gmail.com. Visual companions to the episodes are available on Facebook and Instagram by searching James Explores New Mutants. Another great way to reach the podcast is via the uh, Anchor Messenger service. This allows you, the listeners, to record minute-long comments, questions that are then sent directly to me. I can embed those directly into my podcast episodes and answer those or talk about your comments, questions on air. Uh, It's a really cool way for you to become part of the podcast. So try it out. Um, Until next week, keep reading those comics.